Welcome to Two Crones in a Book, where your host Shell and Annette will give you honest, in-depth book reviews and share book-themed rambles that may or may not on occasions take a dark and twisty, if not utterly bizarre turn. Reviews start with light spoilers, if you want to know if the books are any good, and then we head to the spoiler floor, where we give a blow-by-blow breakdown for any of you cheeky chappies who want to sound like you've read the book, but just don't have the time to read it. Or those of you that did read it and thought, what the fuck? Either way, be warned, every episode will contain spoilers and language that some listeners may find offensive thus the explicit rating so consider yourself thoroughly fucking warned (laughs) now take a seat buckle up buttercup it's time to begin (laughs) welcome everyone to another episode of two crones and a book with your host shell and and annette this episode is a review of the lighthouse witches by cj cook just to give you a little bit of a, a, a breakdown, the synopsis was a deserted lighthouse upon the cliffs of a remote Scottish island stands a lighthouse. Strange and terrible events have been happening there. It started with a witch hunt. Now, centuries later, islanders are vanishing. A lost family, Liv, stay with, and her children don't believe in witches or curses. But within months of arriving at the island, her daughter, Luna, is the only one of them left. An impossible child. 20 years later, Luna's missing sister turns up out of the blue and she's exactly the girl Luna remembers. Same face, same smile, same age. Uh, Publication date was 30th September 2021. Harper Collins. Paperback was 424 pages. Annette? It clocks in at 10 hours, 13 minutes, Shell. (laughs) (laughs) Did it feel like a long 10 hours, 13 minutes? Um, I'm going to say it was a case, again, I think it might be just me rather than the books themselves where I start (laughs) listening and go, oh, shit, need to stop, go back and concentrate. But it was a fairly steady flow listening. Um, I did have to take a break for one reason or another, but um, fairly easy to get straight back into. Okay. Yeah. Did you like it? I didn't mind it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say, no, it, it's not a hate situation. Um, I'm indifferent, I think. Is- You're indifferent? Yeah. Mm. Um, it wasn't what I expected. To be honest, I didn't know what I expected. Um, I didn't think you'd like it when I started reading it. You didn't? When I, I when I, I thought you would when we read the synopsis, I thought, oh yeah, no, we're up for this a bit, a bit of this, a bit of that. But when the choice of language, I know how you feel about <laughs> descriptive language. And when I, I thought it was beautiful. I thought the opening paragraph describing the lighthouse was amazing. I was sold. But as soon as I got to the end of page one, I was like, oh, and Ned's going to think it's flowery. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hence why there was the struggle bus at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, as because it it is in the in the gothic style, isn't it? Really? Yes. Um, and as a go- as a gothic novel goes, it's actually not that bad for me. I actually didn't mind it. The language didn't. I didn't struggle as much with it. Yeah. As I have with previous ones. Um, I. T- to be honest, though, I mean, I think the story just kind of wasn't a hundred percent for me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I, I didn't hate it, 
but I didn't love it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and it's definitely resting somewhere. It's like, I'm, I'm kind. Am I glad I read it? Not sure. <laughs> you know, I've done it. It's happened. <laughs> so you, it's not one you would recommend. I would, because I think there, there is definitely there's well, there's obviously a huge audience for it because it's um actually I think it's this one. Um, I've got in my notes here somewhere. Yeah, it's actually being made into a TV series. Is it? Yep, um, being produced by Studio Canal and the Picture Company. I love that you research this shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know I do. You always make me so happy. <laughs> so yeah, um, so obviously, I mean, the author herself. I mean, she's been, um, what well, she's she's been writing since she was seven years old. Um, Has she? Yeah, and she's like. Even as a child, growing up in Belfast, she pestered publishers for years with manuscripts yeah. that she typed on her grandpa- grandparents' old typewriter. I love it. <laughs> and she she made cover notes written from uh, ripped out pages from her school jotters. <laughs> I'm really taken to this woman. Yeah, she's definitely <laughs> up your street. But um, no, she's she's really really smartly. Like she got her BA honors and MA and a PhD at Queen's University Belfast. Yeah. Uh, Soon began working as a lecturer in film studies at Sunderland University. Um, she published some academics work before establishing a career as a poet, editor and novelist. Um, her debut novel, The Guardian's Angel, was published in, it was only 2011. And uh, mm. she's written 15 books published in total in uh, 23 different languages. That's not bad, is That's it? That's pretty damn good going. And you know, she's our age, so... You know. They're all right. <laughs> <laughs> so the the lighthouse, which is actually a six novel, um, and as well as winning uh, several awards for it, obviously, as I said, it's gonna it's been being made into a TV show as well. Mm. So not bad going for someone, is it? She's got a new one no, out at the moment. Uh, it's just come out. Well, I say new. By the time this come out, it was released on the thirteenth of October. Yeah, uh, it's going to be called the Ghostwood. So that's that's the latest one that's out, but um, yeah, no, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's blah for you. It's blah. It's, I think, it's it kind of has the tone of uh, the the level of horror is not my level of horror, obviously. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, it, I I would agree with you on that. It's not a horror. No horror book. Yeah. So uh, it's not what we would deem horror. No, not at all. And I feel like I've kind of, we've had a few of these lately. And it just kind of, I think it's more of a case of, oh, okay. <laughs> it's another one that's not a horror. It's, it's, it's a horror doing like, you know, air quotes horror for some people, but this is not my horror. Yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't frightening. No. Um, I mean, there are moments that are unsettling. Oh, definitely. Very yeah. much so. I mean, it's the 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 kind of horror that would appear in it is very rare, but very visceral when it happens. Yeah, this is my kind of horror. This is it's it's well, not what I would call horror, yeah. because to me, horror is things like the Bell Witch, you know, the Harvest with Sarah Clancy, um, Blood Contract. That's in my head. That's what I deem horror. Where you know there are monsters or ghosts and they're going to kill you. To me, that's that's horror. Yeah. 
Um, but there was a, a I am, it's weird, isn't it? As you get older, you have different tags and categories in your head that only work for you. Yeah. For me, I would say this was supernaturally um, more mythy, folklore influenced than horror, horror. And then I would go so far as to say, I mean, there is another genre I would throw in there, but it's a spoiler. If I say it now. So. Right, so I know what you're going to say. So hold that thought yeah. after the spoiler floor, because I imagine that we had the same response. Yeah. Which was, again? I know. It's like, <laughs> I had to admit, it was a kind of, oh, for fuck's sake. I was like, nowhere. My, we'll, we'll go into it more after the spoiler, but I was like, so it was nowhere and no one would believe me. And now all of a sudden, everybody's believing and, and yes. <laughs> But um, I mean, let's okay. We've we've spoken about the author. We've spoken about our feelings of the book. Uh, I the only thing I liked the language of the book. I I found it beautifully descriptive, Um, and yeah, it was that kind of gothic, um, old school, creepy winter vibe. I mean, the opening paragraph is uh, the lighthouse was called the Longing pitched amongst tessellations of rock black as coke thrashed for over a hundred years it, it just was just like yes <laughs> <laughs> no to the point where i was like i need to go and see a lighthouse yeah <laughs> so I'm, now ha- I'm now having a brain glitch about lighthouses <laughs> fortunately i live by the sea so it shouldn't be a problem no um, but i will i will say it's not overly gothic in the language there are breaks in between so it's a beautiful mix if you are not fully invested into the gothic style of literature yeah um one thing i i did like the book i did enjoy the book Mm. um the one thing i i will say is that it, it it took me a good few chapters to get my head around this sudden spin from chapter to chapter so you you it wasn't just a point of view yeah because you you can pick that up if it because it does that in the book it, it jumps from point of view to point of view um text from an old book that you i can get my head around we're used to that not problem love it normally because it keeps it fresh and keeps you going but it was even if it was the same person so there, there was one character who uh, goes to the hospital well, i'm going to so much details but goes to the hospital and then literally the chapter ends and you turn the page and all of a sudden they're talking about something else but it's the same people in the same place that was a little bit of i was like i've missed something it was like it wanted to be have you ever read the fingersmith no but you've told me you've referenced it before yeah yeah yeah. and i loved the fingersmith but it literally just halfway through the book it was like bang and it made you look back but it it fitted the book yeah um it took me a little bit while to get my head conditioned to the fact that you you didn't know where you were going to end up it could have been the same you could make the assumptions that it was a new character or a new time frame because it would just literally spin on a penny right so i think that's where the benefit is then for having the audio uh, the audio book because there was actually four different narrators on this that's quite a lot yeah so you had um one for uh live yeah uh, one for luna one for Safi and then one for Patrick. Yeah. So that, and those are sort of like each chapter will probably start with their name when like whose yeah. point it's 
referencing from so that helped actually quite a bit even though to be honest the female narrators a lot of them sound they did sound quite similar oh that's a shame they, especially if they've gone to the trouble to get four but then you know you kind you kind of like you there's more of the the attitudes of them i think the personality yeah shines through more um and that's probably more down to the writing more than anything else as well mm. but and, and good narration um so even though they did sound quite similar their 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 attitude and their inclinations definitely separated mm. them so it wasn't that bad it's only if you're not concentrating but once you were concentrating you can you can tell oh this is definitely so so and so and yeah you know well, I mean, before we go to the spoiler floor, we better give a summary. We've spoken about the author, we've spoken about liking it, we've covered all the other basics. Um, this is basically, it opens with a woman arriving at a remote Scottish lighthouse with her three daughters. Uh, she is staying there to paint a mural. Uh, you find out that she left in the middle of the night from where she was. I can't remember where it is now. I think it was Yorkshire or Sound South or something like that. Um, She's greeted by, for want of a better phrase, a housekeeper who's not a live-in, but is, is a housekeeper, who shows her the lighthouse, which is, is well, super fucking creepy, isn't it? And it's <laughs> derelict. Yeah. Um, and then there's this little side house, uh, which is where they're going to be living. Uh, the keeper gives her a drawing uh, to make the mural with, which the owner, someone called Patrick, has left with her. And, and it's basically a collection of symbols. Um, first night there, she's having a chat with her eldest daughter, who's got an interest in culty stuff and, and symbols, and she recognises some of the symbols. And it becomes clear through this interaction that their relationship is very strained, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, to the point that, it, this is all very early on, by the way, to the point where it, it escalates um, and it results in a slap. During this discussion uh, and this argument, uh, Safi, the eldest daughter, mm -hmm. she runs off. Um, and as she runs off, she, she she's taken this grimoire with her. Um, she's running in this wilderness, doesn't know where she is, but she finds what she thinks is a beautiful fox. Only when she approaches it, she realises that it's dead. Um, and then she finds this weird little hut thing. That little hut thing is quite important later. Uh, she settles down and she starts to read uh, a grimoire that she's found in the place that they're staying at that belongs to someone that has the same name as the owner. Right. Now, do we do the spoiler for before we go any further? Well, it's up to you. What do you think? It's quite a bit. You want to get all oh, you go, you're going, you're going, you're going full pelt. <laughs> well, we can jump about a bit. What do you think? Do, do you think spoiler floor? I don't know. Well, if it's going to jump about a bit, we could end up spoiling things, couldn't we? I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. So if anyone doesn't want to listen to the, the, the breakdown and the spoilers that are coming next, then stop. Pause your podcast now um, and go and read the book and then come back and see if you agree with our, our natterings. Um, just to summarise before we go to the spoiler floor, I liked it. I didn't think that it was beautifully wonderful and I wouldn't necessarily reread it, but I did like it. Yeah. Um, it's def in my opinion, it's definitely going to be um, something that should be read. Um, yep. It's not necessarily for me, but it's it's definitely going to be a moment in time, and it's going to be a, a, a cultural touchstone, I reckon. Uh, especially, Do you think? Uh, well, if this TV show goes well, 
Mm. It could it could be something, you know. I'm strangely excited about that. <laughs> if it's handled correctly, if it does it justice, yep. it could it could be something that people go back reference into for sure. Mm. You know. So um and I would definitely read the book before anything occurs. Don't don't hold out. Get to know where you are with this because I think with the amount of movement in the book you would definitely benefit of having that back knowledge before yes. viewing it for sure. Yeah. And you won't feel quite possibly as lost in a TV translation, which I think could be its downfall. If, if they not... don't do it well. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Well, in that case, spoiler floor, my love. The spoiler floor. Next stop, the spoiler floor. So this book is a bit of a roller coaster. It's You're not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's fast paced and it jumps from point of view to point of view across various time frames and it doesn't even follow chronological order even when it's jumping from same point of view to same point no. of view. <laughs> so there's there's no way that we will be able to include everything because this book legitimately is jam packed and everything swings back around and becomes relevant. Um but continuing on from what we've already said, we're going to give it a bash. We're going to kind of play tag. We're going to follow the order of the book. And hopefully it'll make sense. What do you think? Yeah, that? I see. Let's go for it. Right. Shall I kick off? Go. So is that with Safi, the eldest daughter, in uh, 1998? Uh, she has a row with her mum and legs it. She comes across a dead fox now not sure if it's symbolic so i thought we would mention it she then finds an abandoned hut in the middle of nowhere and settles down to read she starts reading uh, a grimoire that she found at the longing uh, the name of the house that they're staying at then we jump to luna who's the middle kid and it's present day so she's a lot lot older we get a big chunk of information here about both about luna and what happened in 1998 so we find out that she's pregnant there's a weird encounter with a neighbour who's complaining about bins overflowing with seashells. Again, this felt a sort of atmospherically symbolic, mm. but I wasn't quite sure why or if it would be leading forward. We get a lot more info in this section. She mentions the dreams that she's been having about her mum trying to kill her and that a psychiatrist <laughs> says that trauma can cause you to disassociate. Mm. We also find out that all she can remember about her childhood is what social services tells her, which is that she was abandoned. Her fellow Ethan then comes to pick her up to take her to an appointment for a scam and we find out that they're separated um, and that she's had previous miscarriages. Again, we're not sure if that's going to be relevant later. While she's waiting for the scan, she checks her Facebook pages. Specifically, there's a page that she set up for her missing sisters. We now know that they're missing. Now we know she's the only one that's left. Uh, there was a little media, media coverage at the time when they all went missing. And that was because there was an explosion a few days after they all went missing at a nearby nuclear plant. Now, was that a coincidence? Mm. Sounds like a bit of a coincidence, mm. doesn't mm. it? While she's waiting um, in the waiting room at the hospital, she gets a call from the police and they sound that, say that they have found Clover, which is the youngest daughter. Ethan, her fella, agrees to drive her. So she dashes home to grab some stuff as it's miles away from where she is. Uh, and included in what she grabs is a toy giraffe that she's kept 
that belonged to Clover. So she's kept this for 20 odd years. Yep. So then we flash back to 1998 to Liv's point of view. That's the mum, by the way, just in case you haven't really forgotten. <laughs> I know, keep it up, you people. Uh, she's feeling really guilty about the argument with Safi and uh, goes to enroll the kids in school. She pops into the local museum and the guide flinches when uh, she says she's staying at the longing. So we're getting a good idea that this is a bad place uh, with a pretty bad history. Then we jump back to Luna in the present day. She arrives at the hospital. She walks in and straight away Clover says, why do you have my giraffe? The only issue is that Clover is exactly the same as she was 20 odd years ago. The doctor says that she's fine apart from a, a rash or a burn type wound. And when Luna looks at it, it's got a series of numbers that happen to match the year, which I think is 2008, but I couldn't swear to it. Um, Luna then has a flashback memory to when Safi ran away. Luna's taking her food to the hideaway hut when she was little, but she gets the hump because it's going to ruin her birthday if Safi is still missing. She says she's going to tell mum, which is Liv, but she doesn't in the end. And when she does go back to the hut, Safi is no longer there. We get a little bit more of an insight into Luna here. She's uh, an ex-drug user and she went through a period of kleptomania. Hey guys, it's me, back in 1998. <laughs> Remember me? <laughs> so we're back with Liv, the mum. Uh, she's looking into the lighthouse for Safi. Uh, she's looking in the lighthouse for Safi, uh, which is the longing, and finds bones laid in a triangle shape on the floor. The shape matches uh, a part of the mural picture that she's been asked to replicate. Let me jump to Luna. Present day, we told you guys this is going to be back and forth. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's desperate for Clover to be Clover, so she misleads social services about Clover's date of birth because obviously they spot that there's no way that this kid could have gone missing 20 years ago and been the same age that they were. Um, so she says it's a typo. Luna accidentally touches Clover while she's at the hospital and she's struck with an electrifying pain and she automatically thinks she's going into labour, but it's too early, so she has a bit of a panic because she thinks she's going to um, miscarry. Okay, so now, oh, you thought I was going 1988? No! No, 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 people. This time, we're going... Um, should I do an accent? We're jumping to the grimoire. <laughs> Tells the story of who the raters Patrick Mum... <laughs> Sorry. Jump to the grimoire. No, I'm not doing very good. Tells the story of who uh, the writer of the grimoire is, who is called Patrick. His mum is raped by um, a church elder who then goes on to get the plague. Turns out uh, is, uh, his friend put the curse on... His, so Patrick's friend put the curse on the church elder. This is definitely not 1998. It could feel that old. Um, but I think <laughs> we're going way, way back in time, but we don't quite have a specific date, I don't think, at this point, do we? If we do, I don't remember. I would say this is probably the 1700s. I think it was a roundabout-ish. Let's go We're with gonna that. We're going to stick with that. 16, 1700. Who, give, who gives a century or two? Uh, exactly. Uh. <laughs> anyway. So now we go back to live in 1998. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you stealing my 1998 bit now? <laughs> She goes to see the housekeeper who reluctantly shares some history with her about the island and the lighthouse, a.k.a. the longing. And it includes loads of kids through history that have gone missing, one of which was her brother. 
Now, also in this bit, we find out that there's some repair work that needs doing in the lighthouse and Liv gets chatting to the guy who's doing it, called Finn. Uh, he was the previous owner but had to sell it as his daughter got sick and he needed the money. He shares some of the history too and he shares a story about how witches were cast down a hole in the lighthouse. She'd already come across this um, earlier in the book, this, this hole. Uh, and then they were burnt at the stake and they were supposedly, as they were being burnt, cursed the village. Yeah, so we're, we are still remaining in 1998 but I think this is like a, a little like a couple of weeks or months later on so uh, this is from Safi's point of view again she's on a school trip and gets chatting to a guy named Brody Ugh, who she fancies Ugh, I don't even want to talk about this guy cats damned him um, he talks about wildlings and fairy folk which you know at that point is like oh here we go again you know <laughs> I thought it was witches. <laughs> We've been here, done this, bought the T-shirt. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he's talking about wildlings and fairy folk who have to touch a human to turn into them. He tells her that people have been killing wildlings in the woods for years and uh, shows her scorched trees. The only way to kill them is for a loved one to cut out their heart and burn them. I mean, there's dumping and there's dumping, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, I ignore texts and don't pick up the phone. Burning the monetary, and, uh, <laughs> it's a bit much. So now we go to um, Liv back in 1998. Uh, she finds out that... Um, we find out that, yes, she is running, which we suspected earlier in the book, but we find out that it's from a cancer diagnosis, not a person. Oh, now, hang on now. I get to be I get to be Luna in present day. Hello, back to 2021. <laughs> it's me. Missed me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she has a, a DNA test done to match, to see if Clover is a match. And uh, her partner, Ethan, goes home reluctantly. Uh, he doesn't believe that Clover is act can actually be clover because who's going to believe this seven-year-old who yeah, should be no like in one. her 30s by now not i mean we all like i mean we all like to think we look young but come on seven no one's pulling that That's one a bit yeah. Far, yeah. <laughs> um so uh luna so luna leaves with clover and they start the journey home there's a big storm and clover is hard and cold looking on the journey they stop at an airbnb and luna hears clover laughing by herself <laughs> Queen. No, but that doesn't sound right. No, honey, <laughs> laughing children in the dark. No, bye. <laughs> um, so Luna, go, um, Luna goes online and researches wildlings. Uh, when researching the article, um, also says uh, she went missing, but she has no recollection. Uh, Luna goes upstairs and finds Clover asleep with her giraffe, uh, but the bath is overflowing and flooding the house. I saw this creepy little cow <laughs> giggling in the dark. She's now flooding a bathroom. <laughs> Back to Safi in 1998. Safi's going to meet um, Brody. But Clover comes running in, totally freezing, saying she saw a wildling in the lighthouse. Safi warms her up and puts her into her bed. Uh, and then she goes to meet Brody, who, who is really creepy and fills her up. Uh, it's worth noting at this point that he does have a girlfriend, which is the housekeeper's yeah, daughter. Yeah, that's, that's um, Ronan, isn't it? Rowena. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> a blank space. <laughs> So uh, now we're over, we've gone across back to live in uh, the same the same time frame in '98. Um, there's a knock at the door. 
Liv opens it and it's a small boy, very cold, very hungry. And she tries to help him, but he runs off. Jump to Luna, present day. Clover wakes up. She asks her about the bath and all Clover says is that she just wanted to flood the house. <laughs> There's alarm bells going I off now, isn't there? I just wanted to flood it. Uh, yeah, I do the problem is. Um, they go shopping uh, and in the changing room, Luna notices the bandage on Clover and it triggers a memory of her own from when she was a kid to do with a wound on her leg. Luna touches her and again has that bolt of lightning pain and when she looks at Clover, she Clover looks strangely satisfied when luna gets back to the cottage she checks her leg and finds a similar scar uh, and that night she dreams of her mum tying her to a tree whilst her mum was sobbing <laughs> the <fucking> duck. So, <laughs> so now we're, oh, we're going back again this time we're with Safi in 98 and she's nicked the skeleton key and goes to the lighthouse to take a smutty pit Smutty pictures for Brody. So this creep has sort of like convinced her to take like naked photos of herself, you know. Never never no hard evidence ever. (laughs) No, and no cloud, no nothing. I mean, you know, back in our day they had to, you know, hammer it out on a bloody piece of slate, you know. (laughs) Chisley into stone, yeah. And we smashed that shit when we broke up. They ain't keeping that slate. <laughs> yeah. Over their head. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, she finds that the key also unlocks um, a grate in the floor where the witches, witches were supposedly held. Back to live in 1998. Now, she calls the police about the little boy and basically gets told to fuck off. Islay, now that's the housekeeper, appears worried and invites her round to the calf, the local calf. Turns out that the swimming ladies that we've met earlier on that she goes wild swimming with um, are all there. Um, and there's some kind of weird group. And they tell her about the wildlings. Islay shares that her mum killed her brother because her brother was a wildling. Now it's worth noting that Islay's husband is also the senior police officer on the island. It's just a recipe for disaster. It's like a weak man, isn't it? <laughs> Liv is getting on really well with Finn. He was the repair guy. Um, and he says he doesn't believe in wildlings, but maybe ghosts or traces. Gives a long, long speech that we won't go into here, but it's about time not being linear, but being a spiral. And maybe sometimes we can see some echoes. He says that Islay is a shit stirrer uh, and that she uses information to um, blackmail people to get what she wants. And he's done that. To, she's done that to one of his friends uh, and that she had apparently been seen at some point dragging a kid into the wood. He shares an example that he had a feeling um He's talking about intuition Mm. here. Um, And he took a job at a friend's that he wouldn't normally have taken because his daughter was ill at the time. And his friend told him about a doctor that I think was in the US that had a treatment for his daughter, who's called Cassie, remember that, um, cancer. Um, And that's why he sold the lighthouse so he could get the money to pay for it. Finn goes around for dinner one night because they're really, really hitting it off. And at the same point, the new owner, Patrick, who we haven't met yet, comes back to the island and Liv shows him what she's done so far in the lighthouse on the mural. And he's really, really off and a little bit weird. And he asks her if she remembers anything while she was painting. It's a little bit bizarre, Mm. isn't it? So back to the grimoire. (laughs) (laughs) And Patrick... Familiar name. Mm. Mm. Patrick's mum and uh, the healer woman 
that which is his his friend's mother so they're both their mothers um were burnt as witches so uh he has to go and stay with amy one of the daughters of the he one of the daughters of the healing women who is who was his friend uh like i just said you know you may remember brought yep. the fish back to life we spoke about ages ago yep um but her brother keeps beating him one day he loses his shit and beats him back so the dad sends him away <laughs> fucking deserved it now didn't he oh shit bag he did yeah because it was beating it was beating. relentless um so um amy's dad sends him away he leaves and returns five years later i think he'd gone traveling to iceland didn't he he went somewhere and was a butcher, yeah i think i think he, he I, i'm I'm sure he... No, Amy was from Iceland, wasn't it? Her family was from Iceland originally, if I remember correctly. Me? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I believe yeah. you. <laughs> no, yeah, because that's where they kind of got their spiritualism from that they brought to the island. Yep. So there's like there's like connections with Scotland and Ireland because you've got to remember this is out, like, out, out there of the island. Yes. So it's yeah. actually probably closer to Iceland than it is to anywhere else. Anywhere else. else. Um, so yeah, so he leaves and returns five years later, but Amy is forever changed. We jump to Luna, present day. Clover starts a fire at their Airbnb, so she's still yeah. flooding it. Now she's trying what, to burn it she? down. Uh, but it was what's the name? Earth, Air, Wind, and Fire. What was the what that band? <laughs> yeah, they were called Earth, Earth Wind, Wind, and Fire. She's yeah. trying to start the band up, get the band back together. <laughs> Well, they've already got the storm, so that's your earth, wind, you and go. fire. Um, so she she sits her down and they have a chat, and Clover shares that when she was looking for Safi, because she still thinks it's 1998, she went in the lighthouse and she fell down a hole into a cave. Only way out was for her to swim through the sea back to shore, but when she did and she got back everyone mm. was missing she fell asleep and when she woke up there was a man that took her to hospital and clover just wants to go back to to the longing so luna takes her and when they're on the ferry they keep getting weird looks and luna gets a bit para she, they then make it back to the to the longing um and the the whole place has collapsed she does a little bit of digging and the police tell her that it was burnt down years ago by uh, patrick <laughs> Mm, so they find a hotel and they grab some dinner and they're, they're sitting in the room. And as they're about to eat, Luna spots something in Clover's food. Remember, Clover's actually only yeah. seven at this point, And it's broken glass. Yeah, someone has put like a ton of broken glass in her food. That's just dark. Very right, dark. so now we're going back to 98. But this time we're going with Liv, not Safi. Um, <laughs> there's a, a problem with bats in the lighthouse, the longing. Uh, so Finn gets her some black lights. She goes to set... Mm-hmm. Let me get you some black lights, baby. Um, I'd love some black no, lights. No, I wouldn't because I don't know. I don't want to <laughs> find things. <laughs> I've watched too many, of the, too many of them shows where they run it over the hotel bedrooms. No, thank you. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> That's not mine. Um, she <laughs> she goes to set them up, and when she switches them on, she sees loads of numbers on the window, on the windows, like all around her. Um, yeah. she also sees a pentagram. Never a good sign. Uh, where the bones were. 
she yep. takes a pick and calls Patrick. She notices in the pick that the, na- uh, the name Amy and remembers that Patrick called her that once by accident. Um, mm-hmm. Just as he knocks on the door, she real she realizes it's him that wrote the numbers. What no, the no, fuck? no! I did not. <laughs> he insists on taking her out on uh, the cruise boat, cruise. and uh, Safi is out, so it's just her and Luna and Clover uh, on the boat. He says, "I thought you would remember. I look for you for years." Nah, nah baby. <laughs> a knife, and she picks it up. Uh, and sorry, yeah, sorry. She picks and, uh, up, he, she? So he's got the knife, and then she picks up an oar and is ready to like whack him one. Then we bounce back to the grimoire, and Patrick has returned. Whoa, home hang on, you Amy. didn't say that She'd... correctly. No, did I not? <laughs> I can't the do the grimoire. <laughs> I can, I can, you can do the section if you want sound effects. <laughs> um, and she tells him how that since he's been gone, the plague has taken like 50 people from the village um, and that there was this girl who appeared, but she couldn't speak the language. But when she, she got her to, to draw some stuff, she drew a picture Back of to Safi cave. in uh, 98. And Safi and Brody go into the cave and she notices lots of numbers, including, ah, ha, ha, we have the year. 1662. And then we jump to Luna in the present day again. Now, she's freaking out over the broken glass uh, in the food and she jumps in the car uh, and they realise that they're now being chased. Uh, she ends up crashing the car. Don't forget this one's just, mm. she's quite pregnant as well. She crashes the car and a man gets out and he says, but you're supposed to be dead. Uh, and it turns out that this person who's tattooed and really rough looking, um, not that there's anything wrong with tattoos, or being rough looking. He's, he's really rough looking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's missing teeth and, and, and all sorts of stuff, and he's quite a lump of a bloke. But it turns out to be Brody. So remember the creepy Getting bloke who was all over Safi? Yeah. And Luna asks if he killed Safi, and he says, do you know what I've risked to warn you? I've had to live with what happened to Safi. Anyway, there's enough is enough. He leaves and Luna decides that, that that's it, mate. They have to get off the island. But she tries to get a ferry, a ferry off the island. But mysteriously and conveniently, because of the weather, they've all stopped running. So she knows something's afoot. So she, she finds this car park. She pulls up. And then she has a flashback back to her childhood for following Safi into the cave. A woman then approaches the car in, in current day, uh, and it turns out to be Cassie, which was Finn's daughter, which was the repairman who took a shine to her mum, Lynn. <laughs> Come Stayed on, people, we're, we're getting there, we're getting there. <laughs> we're doing this journey together. <laughs> so now we're back to 98 with Liv. Liv's had enough and wants to leave the island, but Safi's missing and, and Clover says she's run away. There's lots of uh, frantic searching, but they cannot find her anywhere. Police say that Finn is a person of interest, as they found naked pics of Safi in his car. Mm -hmm. So Luna Mm. comes down the stairs and tells Liv now that Clover is missing too. Luna, present day. She goes back to Cassie's. She mentions that a 15-year-old, this is Cassie, Cassie mentions that there's a, there was a 15-year-old, which coincidentally is the same age as Safi. 
um, was recently found in the bay. She also finds out that the pictures found in Finn's car at the time that Safi went missing was planted by Rowan, which was Islay, a.k.a. the housekeeper and head police officer's daughter. After they moved to New Zealand, after that, they moved to New Zealand. The police chief had a heart attack and died and Islay was arrested and is now serving 20 years for the murder of a child. Luna at this point decides she's got nothing to lose. So she tells Cassie everything all about her paranoid episodes and so on. Um, and she says that she thinks that Clover is a wildling. Now, Cassie says that people thought that Luna was a wildling. And Luna sneaks a knife from the kitchen when she thinks Cassie isn't looking. Grimoire! <laughs> so uh, Amy goes to the cave and says she has been uh, gone for two months. But Patrick thinks it's just today. Uh, so she has a mark on her saying 1707, like the kind of same patch as the girls have, which is the year that they are currently in. Jump again. Live 1998. There's a knock at the door and it's Luna, but it's another Luna. So this is nope. in 98. This isn't present day Luna. This is a different Luna that we now think is missing. But it turns out that she's knocking at the door. But as she knocks at the door, she turns around and there's another Luna walking down the stairs. So now there's two Lunas. One has a mark and one doesn't. Now lives in a bit of a panic. She doesn't know what to do. She's totally freaking out. So she goes to Islay, which is the creepy housekeeper. And Islay says that, that she has to kill the one with a mark. Because the one mm-hmm. with a mark must be a wildling. So they go to the woods and they, they start tying the Luna with a mark to a tree and live the mum is sobbing the whole time midway through she changes her mind at the last minute and she cuts the ropes so that clover uh, so that Luna can run off yeah I'm gonna have to be that bit was quite harrowing to listen to yeah it was like you did not know which way she was gonna go with that one and the, no, not and at all. The, the writer was fantastic. She held you to the that last second. Like, she's going to fucking do yeah. this. She's going to do it. Yeah, and I was going, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. So anyway, grimoire. <laughs> Patrick uh, looks at Amy with the marks and knows that the village will want to kill her because obviously the whole witchcraft fear and it's going to be like they'll consider it the mark of a witch. Yes. He asks for her to tell him everything. She explains that each time she went through the cave, she came out in a different time. Bum, bum, and bum, this bum, is bum, where bum, bum. you you conned me into a <laughs> sci-fi novel. I didn't know it was sci-fi. I thought it was about witches. <laughs> no, you conned me. This is a sci-fi time travel story. You go. <laughs> And uh, each time she got a brand new marking on her skin. She showed her arms and had hundreds of Mm. brands. She called them Time Stigmata. She wanted to tell the council, but couldn't as they would kill her. Over time, she worked out a spell on how to set the time she went to rather than it choosing for her using that Icelandic magic that her family brought over with them. Patrick says he wants to go with her, but she says you have to be careful or you may bump into yourself. If you do, uh, you mustn't hold hands or you will both become one. They plan to leave together, but before they can, they get arrested by the local group. Flashback to Safi in 98. Brody says that he's left Rowena, 
and they they sleep together. This was quite a disturbing chapter. We won't go into it too detail. But no, he, but let's, uh, it's not sleeping together. Yeah, it, it was really pushy and it was quite unpleasant. Anyway, yeah. Um, once he's he's finished having a shag, he leaves, and she's yeah. still sitting and hiding in the. I think it was the hut she was in, when Rowena suddenly appears, which is the daughter of Islay and the police chief, and the and girlfriend Brody's of Brody. Girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um, now Rowena. Um, says to her, let's go for a walk. This is just, just, yeah, no, this is the sort of shit that happens to 15. Just say no. If there's any 15-year-olds listening, say no. No. <laughs> um, and they end up walking towards the lighthouse and, and they go into the keep. And Safi, because she kind of thinks everything is okay-ish because Rowena seems pretty chill about everything so far, Safi shows her the key, the skeleton key, and unlocks the grate. And they end up going into the cave. And it's at this point that things spiral and Rowena is a total nutcase. Um, she starts going on about the law of return because uh, she she slept with Brody and that she loves him and he's hers. Um, and she pulls out a knife and says that she wants three cuts and she cuts Safi with the blade. Now mm. Safi ain't hanging around for another two, so she runs. Yeah. So then we jump back to Luna in the present day. Um, she remembers being in the cave and coming out in the sea. Uh, she gets a bit lost but makes it home only to find there's another Luna there already. Cassie rings Finn, her dad, who says, get them off the island now. Luna takes Clover to the burning trees. Yes, she sneaks off, doesn't she, when Cassie's not looking? Yeah, yeah. And don't forget, she's already nicked a knife. Exactly. It's all important information, people. Do you know, I will say at this point that the author is the intricate web of detail that she wove through every section was was amazing and you know we're not doing it nearly the justice it deserves so you know <laughs> we're doing oh, what we can yeah we're, we're running at about 25 percent here <laughs> <laughs> um so then we jump to the grimoire amy is taken by the the men who want to burn her for being a witch patrick tries to save her but he ends up getting stabbed so he automatically thinks of the cave and he runs to the cave because he, I, i'm assuming he's thinks he can jump back and then stop it from happening but when he comes out the other side he's in the 90s yeah um, he, he's and got put to piss him but he remembers that back in the 1600s 1700s whenever it is his dad had some treasure hidden on the island so he goes to see if it's still there and fortunately for him it is how convenient is that? <laughs> very com- convenient but now that kind of establishes that the patrick of present day is the wealthy Patrick that's brought the property this, now. Yep, so it's the same person. Uh, so now we're back to live in 1998. Uh, she cuts Luna free, as we said, from the tree and is now chasing her. Uh, she gets hit over the head and wakes up tied to a table in the lighthouse. Patrick is there and says he realises what he's been doing wrong the entire time. Um so he needs living bones for his spell. Fuck's sake. <laughs> no, bitch. So this spell, obviously, because he wants to be reunited with Amy. Yeah. And he's been using dead bones the entire time. So he, now he thinks he needs to cut one from a living body. Oh. Um, he says not to worry that he was a butcher. Shows you with confidence. Yeah. And he will only take what he needs. He takes her ribs and so and sews her back up can you imagine that description though when she's on there yes 
and you're like she, she's numbed her up so she can't feel it but to but you can feel your body being moved yeah it's like having a tooth pulled isn't it because it, it takes something like three or four i think it is yeah just to make sure oh it was horrific that's probably the most horrific scene and the only scene of real true horror in the i book. think in the book yeah and do you know what it was saved up for a beautiful part because it was like i feel i feel a bit queasy after <laughs> yeah. that it was so good um so she wakes up after passing out and knows she needs to escape she remembers the grate leading to the cave and runs for it she falls down and breaks her leg this poor woman cannot get a break <laughs> cancer rib stolen broken leg <laughs> Uh, she looks around the cave and sees the little boy that she saw before at her door that ran away. Yep. Um, he signals for her to follow and at the end of the caves sees the sea. The boy jumps, but there's no splash. She hears Patrick coming, so she jumps in the same spot. Yes. Uh, when she surfaces, she hears a voice say, Live! Uh, she thinks it's Patrick, but when she looks up, it... <coughs> but when she looks up, it's an older Finn. So we jump back to Luna in the present day. Cassie finds Luna and says to her, don't do it, because don't forget she's run off with Luna and up to the burning trees. Luna says she's not. She was just trying to retrace her steps at the time and she was trying to trigger her memories, um, which worked because she remembers her mum cutting her free from the tree and running when she was a kid. When she ran, she found the other Luna and they held hands and became one. Cassie sees her to the ferry because she knows she's going to get off the island. And when she gets on, she's looking around and she sees what she thinks is Safi. And they run towards each other and they are reunited. Then we go back to present day Patrick. He uh, completes the spell using Liv's rib bones and returns to his own time. He runs back to where Amy was and it's in time to see that the guards are... Um, are called off by a priest and Amy isn't burnt alive. Uh, the priest thinks the marks are mourning marks for the lost wildling children. Back to Safi, but present day, not 1998. When she went through the cave, when she was running away from Rowena, she ended up in 2020. And she was fostered by a good family. Um, but she learned all about Facebook and she found, which over a couple of years, and she found Luna's Facebook page saying that she was looking for her sisters. So she did a bunk and went looking for her, which is how she ended up on the ferry at the same time as Luna. Okay, so now we go back to Liv and it's present day ish. We've, we've moved on from the events haven't we? Yeah, because she escaped, she resurfaced, she's resurfaced yep. in, in, in the uh, later date when she was found and, by Finn. Yeah, so now this is like, like, like I could say, a couple of months down the road. And uh, uh, Liv and Finn have been living in New Zealand. No, sorry, Finn had been living in New Zealand, but felt like he had to come back. Something was drawing him yep. back to the island, even though he'd been gone for 21 years. Yes. Um, Unfortunately for Liv, the cancer has spread and uh, she is playing for time whilst she has been staying with Cassie. Um, she's writing a letter to the girls just in case uh, she doesn't last much longer. That was quite beautiful, really. It was quite sweet, the letter, definitely. She, yeah, she's waiting for all of the girls to, to come and see her. Mm -hmm. Um 
but she doesn't know if she's going to make it. No. We jump back. This is the final bit. We're there, everybody. So we jump back to Luna in, in future-ish present day. Um, so we find out that the blind electric pains that she'd been experiencing weren't anything to do with wildlings or fairies. It was a it was a pregnant thing, and it was diagnosed as uh, pregnancy related, and it, and it wasn't anything else. She's standing in a graveyard, um, and she's laying flowers on Liv's grave. She managed to meet Liv, but Liv died th- uh, three months after she she managed to catch up with her, so she didn't get along with her. Um, Safi's off at college and she's doing really, really well. Uh, Clover stayed with her and is, a, is just beginning to start to call her mum because don't forget Clover's really little. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a baby. Everything was fine with her baby. And then it finishes off with saying that Luna and Safi have agreed and they arrange to blow up the fucking cave. <laughs> 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 so... That's it. That's that's the book. Now, we literally have broken that down into a few sheets of, of paper notes. The book, one of the things for me that I found at the end of each, or I don't know, chapter section, each point of view, the further you got along in the book, it was a fucking cliffhanger each time. You know, even back to what we've just read, Safi was running away from Rowena, who was trying to stab her. And then it yeah. just stops. <laughs> Do you know, Liv gets to the end of the cave with Patrick. She, she jumps. It just stops. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, this is why if they, like like we said before, if they're making this into a TV series. Yeah. If they end those parts right, it's going to be, what? Oh, no. What? There'll be no about to buy the book. If they end an episode, if it's like an ITV and they don't <laughs> allow you to binge watch it. No, they so don't, you, no. You're going to have to wait each week. What's going to happen is a load of people are going to run out and buy the book because they're just not going to be able to wait the week. No. I mean, even if they do it as a three-parter and they do it over three days like they do sometimes, even they say, nope, can't wait till tomorrow. Nope, 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 yeah. nope, nope. <laughs> Give me that book. <laughs> but I, I, I liked it. I, I really did. I love the descriptive language in it. And the further you get into the book... Like I said, everything starts to, to come together and, and overlink and there are little subtle references back to things that have happened before that all kind of tightens the web around everything. Mm. I thought it was great. wasn't about witches, although there is a section about witches being burnt at the stake. But, but were they witches or weren't they, you know? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Some of the magic brought the dead fish back, so you kind of think there was something in there. But then it's it's that juxtaposition of what's witchcraft and what's actually like Healing. early medicine. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I liked it. I'm exhausted now, but I like it. Yeah, no, there, there's, there's, you will definitely benefit more from actually reading oh, the 100%, book. Oh, one hundred percent, yeah. From what, from what we described, as I say, personally, it's, it's not a hundred percent for me. Yes. Um, but I can appreciate that it is a good book and a good story. Yes. That's so that's, uh, that's, I think that's as far as I can go with that. <laughs> Same here. I I liked it, so Annette didn't mind it, and I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I give. I'd say give it a go. Yeah, definitely. I, for me, I know not necessarily for for you. It's just the sci-fi element alone, time traveling element alone, would have freaked you out. I <laughs> I will probably check out um some other stuff by the author. Yeah, I think the only thing that slightly infuriated me well, well, not infuriated me. It was, it was it was the where I mean, who was putting the stamps on them? Well, you don't that's part of the mystery, isn't it? You don't know. No, because I know it'd be bloody aliens, isn't it? <laughs> well, we'll never know. We'll 
we? It's an alien time hole. It's an alien time hole. And Doctor Who's going to pop up or something. Telling you now. You like Doctor Who, so what you bitching about? (laughs) Um, I've got to be mean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like it. I'd recommend it. Yeah, no, definitely give it it a whirl. We've only scratched the surface there. We've given you just, just enough. And there's so much more meat to the actual story. Definitely. Like there's whole sections we've missed out just to get through the basics. So yeah, definitely give it a whirl. And and for such a small book as well. Yeah, packed a punch. Yeah, definitely. So now we're both exhausted because that's that was one of those books that is bang 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 jump 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 jump. Yeah. Um, We what we doing next? We are doing oh we're doing the top three books that we haven't covered in previous episodes. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. So that can be anything. That could be anything. It could be fiction, non-fiction, poetry, newspaper article. Reading poetry? No, just throwing it in there to <laughs> sound like we we cover a wider variety. It's been a while. I read um, yeah. Alone by Edgar Allan Poe the other day. So yeah. Oh, see, there you go. You did so. Shush. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I was just taking the piss, love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think I think that's more than enough from us. We have waffled on very quickly, jumped around the gaff. Don't know if you managed to keep up. We hope you did, and we hope it made sense. Go and read the book. You're missing lots if you're only relying on what we've said. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, love to you all. We're going to have coffee and cake now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have a throat lozenge. <laughs> throat lozenge, <laughs> Cool. Well, in that case, everybody, we will love and leave you. And we'll see you next time when we tell you our top three books that we haven't covered in the episode. Oh, it's the top three books that we've come across this year. Yeah. So we can't do any childhood favourites because everybody knows that I just talk about Oscar Wilde and Charles (laughs) um, Dickens and the Chronicles of Narnia. So Annette's put that proviso in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to find a book with a map, Annette. No, 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 no. Okay, everyone, thank you very much for listening and we will speak to you all next time. Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Crones in a Book. If you want to follow the show on social media for extra content, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube and Facebook at Two Crones in a Book. And on Twitter, we are at Two Crones Pod. Or if you'd like to cut in contact with the show, you can email us at twocronespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great day. <laughs>